Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God for our special study this Confirmation Sunday is found in the second letter of Peter, chapter 3, verses 14, 15, 17, and 18. Therefore, dear friends, as you look forward to these things, make every effort to be found in peace, spotless and blameless in His sight. Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Therefore, dear friends, since you already know these things, be on your guard so that you do not fall from your own firm position by being led astray through the error of the wicked. Instead, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. Dear Grace, brothers and sisters in Christ, if there is one message that Confirmation Day is not about, it is, congratulations, you're all done for the rest of your life. Put up your feet now, relax, and, and put your spiritual life on cruise control. Over and over, pastors, teachers, and especially Christian parents tell their children that Confirmation is not an end, but a beginning. Or we might even say, a running start. Earlier in life, your faith was largely managed by others. But as of today, Grace, you recognize that you have the responsibility for your spiritual health and growth and that none of it should be taken for granted. Which is one of the reasons why a text from Peter's letters, particularly this second one, is so fitting for this occasion. The members of the congregations of Asia Minor the Apostle was writing to had all been instructed, had been baptized, and had confessed their faith, in some cases many, many years before. And so it would have been easy for them to think that they knew everything they needed to know and that there was nothing much left for them to do as Christians. They would have been tempted to figure that, that they were spiritually set until Christ took them to heaven. But Peter had been instructed by Christ himself, whom the Gospels show repeating lessons over and over with his disciples. And Peter was also inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he used his letters to remind, reinforce, and then urge. He did not want his spiritual children to take anything for granted. And he wanted them to take what they already knew to heart and to be encouraged in their everyday lives. And so he tells his dear friends, more literally his beloved, as they look forward to these things to make every effort. The These things he's referring to are the events of Christ's return on the last day. A day of terrible judgment for the unbeliever, but a day of glorious joy for the believer. Peter wants his readers, and his readers want, to be among those Jesus is taking with him to enjoy eternal life in the new heaven and new earth. So he tells them to let nothing distract or discourage or otherwise tempt them to leave the gospel behind. Instead, as believers who know Christ and the truth, who, who have the gospel of salvation in their hearts, they will want every day 
to make every effort. Not to stand pat, not to be complacent or lazy, not to be self-satisfied, but to grow. And that's God's message for you too today, Grace, and for all of us here. Make every effort to grow. Grow first of all in what we call sanctification. That's a good, big catechism word for living a holy life filled with good works. But we remember first of all that that this is only possible because of what God has already done for us in Christ. Peter is not telling anyone to make every effort until she's holy enough to please God enough to let her into heaven. That's an impossibility because no one could ever do that. We are all sinners. The only thing we deserve from God is His punishment. Death and damnation is the wages of our sin. But we also praise God for giving us what we do not deserve salvation, and with that, eternal life in heaven. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. He lived the perfect, sinless life that we could not, and He gave that righteousness to us free of charge. And He died an innocent, horrible death on the cross. So we would not have to suffer an eternal death and separation from God in hell. He poured out His blood for the forgiveness of your sins and my sins and all the world's sins. That salvation first became yours when God poured out His grace on you in your baptism quite a few years ago. You have been strengthened in your embrace of this good news, the gospel, through the Word since then, at at home and in church. And in a little while you will receive for the first time God's grace in in a visible, tangible, tasteable form in the Lord's Supper. Forgiveness, new life and salvation in Christ's body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine. But these generous gifts of God's grace are not just to remove our sin and qualify us for heaven. They are also to equip us for life and growth here on earth. That's what we mean by sanctification. And that means that we strive, because we are redeemed children of God who love their Savior, strive to be all that Peter here encourages us to be, spotless, blameless, and at peace with God. Actually, this is something of a summary of Peter's entire letter. Earlier in chapter 1, the apostle was more specific about the things involved in this sanctified life. And for this very reason, after applying every effort, add moral excellence to your faith. To moral excellence, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add patient endurance. To patient endurance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly affection. And to brotherly affection, add love. For if you have these qualities, and they are increasing, they are going to keep you from being idle or unfruitful in regard to your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the person who lacks these qualities is short-sighted and in fact blind, because he has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brothers, be more eager to make your calling and election sure for yourselves. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. 
In fact, in this way, you will be richly supplied with an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is why I intend always to keep reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are established in the truth you now have. Now, did you notice how Peter started with the exact same encouragement there? Apply every effort. The word in Greek leaves no room for, I already did that laziness, or put it off till later procrastination. It calls for eager, even hurried diligence. It involves energy and boldness. And so that's what you and I and all of us will therefore do. Because we are Christians. Because we believe. Because of God's grace in Jesus. We will make every effort to be all we can be. All that God has called us to be in Christ. Which also means that we will be watchful. Because we do not want anything to take away the treasure that we have been given and confirmed in. You won't allow it to be put at risk. Peter tells us to be on our guard. But he also tells us to remember what God's patience really means. The fact that He has not yet returned in judgment or called us home in death does not mean that we can relax our diligence or pretend that our faith will somehow nurture itself until some vague, nebulous future date when we're ready to pay attention. No, God's patience reminds us that each of us is living now in a time of grace, every day from birth to death, a time to come to faith in Jesus and then once faith has taken root, to, to mature and be strengthened. We remember that faith is a thing that lives in our hearts and like all living things, it starts to die once it stops growing. And so we watch and pray that we are not tempted to fall asleep on the job of maintaining and maturing in our faith. Far too many confirmands do exactly that. They mistake God's patience for a license to stray and stay away. Don't ever do that. And we cannot forget that there are people and spirits in this world who want to sidetrack and even derail that faith. Whether we find them outside the church or inside it, Paul, or Peter excuse me, calls them what they are. Wicked. Sometimes they simply tell us what our sinful natures want to hear. Other times they distort the Scriptures to make them say what they want them to say instead of what the Holy Spirit, writing through the apostles and prophets, really said. But if we listen to them, we risk straying from the truth and, worse, falling into unbelief. And the price of that fall is high. The loss of heaven separation from God's love and eternal damnation. So whatever appeals or arguments we might hear from those who seek to entice us into error, we will not yield an inch and will not compromise a single truth of God's Word because that is where we find our life, our strength, our wisdom, and our salvation. And we do not want to fall from that firm position in Christ. You and we 
will make every effort to be watchful and make every effort also to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. The good Lutheran small catechism question about that is, what does this mean? The answer, everything. God's grace, the gospel, is everything that we need and desire for this life and the next. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ shows us everything we want to be and is the only one we want to follow. And so we want to know everything there is to know about Him and to spend our lives seeking that knowledge. And God wants us to give us these things, and and He will. While we will make every effort to grow in them, the actual growth will come from the Holy Spirit's work in us through the means of grace, the the gospel in God's Word and the sacraments. We don't do this on our own, which is why it is so important to study your Bible, to come to worship, and to frequently partake of the Lord's Supper. That's the only way we will grow. And growth is what God wants for you, grace, and what you want for yourself. The confirmation verse that you chose 2 Corinthians 5.15 will remind you throughout your life that the grace that saved you, that you trust, and that today you are making your promises in response to, that grace inspires day-to-day action and lifelong forward progress. And He died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and was raised again. Living for Jesus will never be about standing pat or standing still, satisfied with inaction or only going through motions. You want to grow every day closer to Jesus, every day more like Jesus, and to be every day more lovingly and effectively serving the people Jesus puts in your life. That's a reminder for all of us. The God who has the power to bring the dead back to life and who does so, as we saw in our readings earlier, and the God who especially did that with Jesus our Savior, opening the door to eternal life for all who believe in Him, that powerful, amazing, loving, merciful God wants to put that power to work in our lives all the time. But if we unplug ourselves or allow ourselves to be unplugged by neglecting the Bible, by treating church as a a once-in-a-while-if-I-really-have-to thing, or by taking the Lord's Supper or our baptisms for granted, well, then we will soon run out of the gospel energy that is necessary to drive our lives. Lives not only of service to Christ and our neighbor, but also lives of of peace, comfort, joy, faith, and forgiveness. And those, those are all things that we want more and more of. And our lives, our homes, and even our world will be better when we have more and more of those things. And so we pray to do exactly what Peter here encourages us all to do grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the beginning of the service, we responded to the good news that our sins have been forgiven. 
by praising the Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. This joy and worship is the natural and proper response to God's grace in Christ. And it is something that we do as we grow. And interestingly, our expressing this joy in worship actually helps us grow in our faith. Yet we do not worship only with words and song. Every aspect and every effort of our lives lived in God's grace and lived for Christ is an offering of thanks and praise to the one who has loved us so much, loved us so well, and loved us so powerfully. And so with Peter we say, with our lips and with our lives, to him be the glory, both now and forever. And the apostle ends his letter and our text with, Amen. And we add ours also, and you add yours, because we know what amen means. Your deep desire and heartfelt intention is to make every effort to live your life this way, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ from this day forward forever. And so you and we affirm with a loud amen, yes, it shall be so. Amen. Please rise. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and in His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your heart and establish you in every good word and deed. Amen.